Squad Radio, the music you want. With your host, Jeez Dan. Is he giving off too much of a creepy Oompa Loompa vibe? What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live and in living color from the Radio What studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous? It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, where do you go? DJLittleRock.com. Let me say that again. DJLittleRock.com. Check availability and get a free price quote. And maybe you can have me at your next event. I like to party with the people. Today on the program, John KT, KT Productions, that is. And that's all I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to have to listen for his story in the next few minutes. So stick around. This week's shows, yep, this is the part of the program I put in this week's shows. Due to the novel coronavirus pandemic, I have no public shows. I have no private shows. But next week, uh, Friday nights, May 29th. I'm starting back at the RAB in Conway, Arkansas. Yes, they've opened up uh, the, like the last week or the week before, and they're doing limited, uh, I think they're limited to maybe 30% or or 50% capacity, uh, taking many precautions, making sure that people wash their hands and are sanitized and have plenty of wipes on hand to make sure that the place is spick and span and very clean. So yes, the RAB, karaoke coming back. I brought some some wipes myself. I got a, a big box of uh, of wipes, and I'll be wiping down the microphones after each use. And the dance floor will be limited to 10 at a time. So, hey, it, it is what it is. We're going to have a good time at the RAB on Friday night. That starts back on May 29th. So stick around for that. Oh, I'm excited. All right. Without further ado, let's get into it with today's guest, John KT of KT Productions. Skyping John KT now. See your face. I love I, it. Yeah, this is awesome, man. Yes, very. Hey, it's Keys Dan with the What Makes You Famous podcast. How you holding up, man? Good, man. Not too bad. Uh, getting ready to get out. Wisconsin's not lifting our lockdown. Oh, all right, all right. Wisconsin, I guess. Uh, well, I Wisconsin will be a, a a more one of the more sparsely populated. So I, I suspected that that you probably shouldn't have been in lockdown as it. parts of it parts of it but not all of it yeah yeah i'm sure there's cities you know there's there's some densely populated areas just like little rock arkansas is a pretty densely populated area but it's it's not like where i'm from miami you know in the florida it's it's, it it was more populated down there and not like new york at all but uh hey we're here to chit chat about you man i I know we're going to talk about lots of things i want to get your viewpoints on things uh john KT, I guess is what I'm going to be calling you from KT Productions. You know, first of all, I want to start with uh, what's with all the the feel good music, man. What's with all that groovy music that you've been putting out there? Hey, man, that's just I don't know. It just it just it's inbred in me. I don't know. It just came, you know, it's kind of a family trait. I guess I come from a line of drummers, my grandfather, my uncles, and stuff like that. And I started out as a drummer and. And that's like my first instrument. So that's where most of the, you know, the laid down part comes from, the groove. Uh, you, know, so. you know, I might have glossed over it a little bit. I'm from uh, Key Largo. That's my island. And I, it's got such an island vibe, man. And, and, and you're from, where, where are you from exactly? I'm from a little town called Buxton, Derbyshire in the UK. Man, how is it growing up in a small town? I'm not familiar with geography. Uh, you know, I, I know where England is. I know where the British Isles are. <laughs> right. Uh, well, this would be like in the, uh, in the middle northern part. It's uh, between Manchester and, I want to say, Derby, in between there. So anybody that knows that geography will be able to figure out where that is. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's a farming town. It's not it's not too bad. It's not, but uh, we moved when I was pretty young to a big city, so that was a culture shock. 
growing up in a small town and, and then transferring to a big city. So, well, move from from that small town to what big city? Leicester. Leicester. Okay, I've heard of that. I, yes. you know, I, I watch Doctor Who. I'm a I'm an avid Whovian, so I get to get my geography from there. And then I I, I watch the Sherlock Holmes uh, films yep, yep. And, and various uh, you know I, I guess maybe a, a, a what, is, what do they call it Anglophile uh, you know I, yeah I, I I like all things British uh, I, but uh, I really haven't gotten the geography right but I definitely like watching uh, the British TV shows and and things that come over uh, that usually air on our PBS our our public television. Yeah, yeah. It's a different. It's a different humor. We speak the same language, but we have different views. That's the way I like to look at it. <laughs> I want to hear your views. And you say you you spent some time in a small town yep. until how old? About eight or nine years old. Then and we then moved you went to big town. Yep, big city. Okay, so what yep. was that? What was that culture clash, or or what did you gain uh, from being in a small town? What do you remember from that? And what did you do in said small town until you were eight or nine? And then move to Leicester. So in, in a smaller town, it's more everybody knows each other. So, you know, the neighbors knew who you were, who you belonged to. You were in and out of each other's houses. In a bigger city, it was a little bit different. It was like, yeah, a big, big culture shock. It wasn't as friendly. People, you know, you had to be careful of your neighbor. You didn't know where they came from. So that, that was that was it. But I, I think the benefit of moving to a bigger city that I w wouldn't have been exposed to at a, in a smaller town was the different cultures. Um, England has a big uh, West Indian culture um, and, and a lot of reggae music came out of the UK. And so you would walk down the streets and you would hear all this stuff coming out of people's windows and stuff, you know, and, and that's where... I started to get that musical vibe from. That had to affect a, a young John KT walking Absolutely. the streets of Leicester. And, and so, all right, when did you dive into music and who got you into it? How were, how were your mom and dad uh, raising you? Uh, were they musical at all? My mom would sing. Uh, I, I think it was from an early age. My grandfather used to get... Um, so, a little history about my family. My grandfather, his dad, actually came from New Bern, North Carolina and jump ship in London back in the turn of the century. So my family actually comes this way, not the other way. Um, so, so my grandfather used to get a lot of um, exported music, like Nat King Cole Trio, all that kind of stuff. And he used to play it to me when I was really little. I used to sit on his lap and he used to just sit in front of the stereo and we used to listen to it. So I got my first musical influence from him. My mom used to sing a lot of Motown music, um, and then as I was getting older, I started to play the drums on my mom's Tupperware with chopsticks. And so, so that's how I started out. But when I first did my first real gig was in, in church. Um, I, somebody asked if there was a drummer in the audience, and I'd been practicing at home for so long. I was about eight or nine. And I said, yeah, me. So I got up there. I was scared to death, little kid. But played the drums, and then they kept me up there for a while. So. I mean, this is purely Tupperware? Uh, trained yeah, yeah, and then you got, got the skins in church absolutely was it natural did it did it work yeah. out? you were yeah you got like a built-in metronome <laughs> yeah. fantastic man providing yeah. the backbeat and i mean that's the heart of of a of, of a band a, right. a song and, and i'm jealous okay I, I i don't play instruments i have several instruments in my closet and throughout my house but uh, I, I don't play them thankfully i have a a very talented 14-year-old daughter that's really uh, well-adversed in her piano. Good. and She's got ukulele and, and a harmonica and out there, and I, I get to listen to some of that music, and that's great. Nice. Yeah. But yeah. I have to live vicariously through you, John KT. Uh, you know, tell. Uh, you, you started just playing. It's still a, it's baffling yeah. me that you just played on Tupperware and maybe yeah. you know, like every other teenage boy or, or, you know, elementary school boy uh, playing on their desk, probably annoying their classmates and their teacher. Right. But then you went straight to playing at a church. Now, how, yeah. how was that? And how long did that go? Well, how it old was were fine. You? I played, I played through like Sunday school and then, then I started ended up playing the, in the main services. And then uh, I, I built on that and started like I, I learned to play three chords on the guitar, and then so I started playing guitar. But then I had an accident where I was making a bow an hour, and I cut my uh, tendon in my in my hand with a carving knife, which I probably shouldn't have done. But um, so that I couldn't do bar chords. So then I switched from 
guitar to, to keyboards. And then um, I remember getting my first keyboard when I was about 13. And um, my dad didn't want me to um, just buy it and have it sit in the corner. So he made me get a job and make payments on it. So it meant something. And so uh, I paid that one off. And uh, I spent every night for a whole year in uh, practicing. Um, didn't see my friends. Just got this book that came with the keyboard and learned chords and started to learn play by ear. And then, uh, yeah, that's how it all started out. And, and it's just never gone away. All right. The story of the young John KT. I'm feeling it. The, the mom is teaching you how to sing and have a love for music and play music. And dad is teaching you a good work ethic. You Correct. know, oh, yeah, maybe he brought some records over. Maybe grandpa brought some records over from North Carolina. But you got a good work ethic from dad. And I think that's, that, a, that's a good balance. That's yeah, a good yeah. balance. I mean, anything else you learned from and, and you know, from the parents and, and any siblings that you have? Yeah, my dad definitely got my work ethic from my dad. Um, I never, I, I don't remember him ever taking a day off of work. And it was always a case of if you want something, you've got to earn it. Because if you don't, it's going to, you're going to lose interest in it because it, you didn't invest anything into, into it. And so I was never a scholarly kid. My brother was a smart guy. I mean, he was book smart and he's an intelligent guy. Um, but me, I didn't, I, st I struggled in school. All I wanted to do was music was my school. I got, you know, all my emotions were, you know, coming out then in the music thing. So I skipped a lot of school and it wasn't until later on in my life that I decided that I'm in a point now where I need to get my education. <laughs> well, that's good. Was that self-driven uh, or was that something that your parents said, hey, let's have something to fall back on. This music thing is okay, but let's it was have actually my brother. It was actually my brother-in-law at the time. Um, he started his own He started his own woodworking business, and I, I, I wanted to do music, and my parents would say, you got to get something that's sustainable if this doesn't work out. So my brother-in-law gave me an apprenticeship uh, straight out of high school. Um, so I, I did a two-year mm -hmm. trade school um, and became a carpenter and joiner. Mm -hmm. And that was what my first priority was, was that job. So uh, yeah, when I was when I was in my 20s, I actually quit playing music, um, uh, got married, had a kid, um, and then, but work was it. I, I, I put everything into my work. The same passion that I had for music, I put into my work. So I was, uh, money motivates. I mean, I know they say the you know, root of all evil is money, but that's not what I mean. I just don't want to be dependent on anybody. Um, so it's not like a cutthroat love of money. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, I want to provide for my family. I bring them into the world. I want to take care of them. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I actually gave up on playing and writing and all that kind of stuff for about four years. And then I, I went through uh, a, a divorce and I realized that this was my, my passion. I had to do something with all the emotion, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I picked it back up again, started writing. But a lot of people that, that know me didn't know that I actually played because I didn't, I, I'm not a flashy person. I don't sit down and just start playing a piano because there's one in the room you know that's a personal thing for me for me so it's only been in the last 10 years or so that i've actually come out of my own and started sharing it with the rest of the world well john kt previous to the woodworking with your brother-in-law and i'm glad he got you that job but yeah. previous to that were you playing in bands were you playing at school or was it uh yeah. purely uh churches no, I played in church a lot because uh, my parents went to church every week. So, yeah, I would, church was my main thing. But I used to skip school and go down to the local recording studio and hang out with a bunch of up-and-coming bands and stuff like that. And I'd sit in and or just throw a riff down here or, you know, play with them here or that. Yeah, so there was a lot of that going on. It was like just mingling with different artists at the time, you know. Or, or was was there any monetary uh, involvement here, or was this purely no, educational? No. Purely educational. I didn't even know. I used to. I used to actually skip school and sit down at the uh, music store. It was uh, like two stories. Downstairs was uh, like all the pianos and the keyboards, and the back room was like a little recording studio. And upstairs was all the drums. And I, I used to go upstairs, and um, I'd spend my whole day in there playing yeah. the drums, like to the point where the staff knew who I were. You know, yeah. coming in. You know, and then I'd, I'd learn chords because people would come in and they'd start playing something on a, on a synthesizer and they'd be like, what's that? And that's how you start picking it up. So, yeah, 
It's like watching over people's shoulders all the time. You're giving the kids uh, gems, John KT. If you yeah, want yeah. something, you go for it. Uh, this yeah, is your, yeah. your internship is going to a recording studio, hanging around, watching people as they play, as they make records, make music, and finding out what that's all about. Now, I'm guessing that you were a pre-digital age at that point. Uh, yes. Yeah, so you know the analog. You know how to, yes. how to do things on reel-to-reel and, and that kind of thing. Well, I mean, t- t- tell me about the process that you were learning at that time, and then we'll move into the, the digital age, I guess, as, you know, as we grow and progress. You, you have to. Yeah. What did you learn from those people at that recording studio as a young lad in Leicester? Well, you know, years ago, you know, a playlist for all the youngsters, a playlist used to be a cassette tape for me. You know, you'd record stuff off of the radio at night and hope to God that you didn't get the DJ's voice in there so that you had it on your Walkman, you know, so you had to, you know, kind of time it up. But I started to learn how to edit tapes um, with razor blades and and clear tape. And uh, that was before in the studio. That was just with the normal cassette tapes. Um, and start, you know, to cut out people's people voices were, that were in the in the radio stuff. And I used to sell them tapes to people, which is obviously illegal downloading now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Napster before it was cool. <laughs> yes, but then the process of the uh, the four track four track recorders, um, I started using them, um, and I started to figure out that you could play the drum patterns in. And then you could use all four channels and then bounce it down to one. Then you had three other channels to put a bass line down um, and then a keyboard part, you know, and, and, and a guitar part. And then you could bounce that all down and then you could use it as a backing track and do your vocals like a karaoke version. Um, that, that's how it would be now with the, you know, you know that's how we used to do it. Um, or you could uh, put two, four tracks together and get the eight, eight tracks you know, just bounce them backwards and forwards. And I think I still have some cassette tapes from my four track. Whereas if you put them in a tape player now, it's just like, because it's a different speed. <laughs> and if you flip it over, it's just playing the same thing backwards because each tape had a four track, which was your two on your A side and two on your B side. So, yeah. <laughs> John KT, you're taking me way back, man. I mean, because making mixtapes, I, I started on the radio in 1986, and I was one of those voices that you wanted to cut out on the mixtapes. <laughs> any of the young kids that are listening uh, that think of, that a mixtape is is something digital, no, a mixtape is actually a tape that you made for your, your girlfriend or your boyfriend or somebody that you really liked. You said, hey, I made this tape for you. And some of the creators, like the hip-hop artist, yes. would lay down their own track. So really a mixtape was a, a demo tape. And, yep. and, and that's what you're doing is recording s- stuff so you can get yourself out there and heard. And maybe you're doing a live performance and then you have something at the merch table to sell to people. Did you ever get that far before you, you got into the woodworking? No, not at all. No. The I was, yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't do any of that stuff. Um, I really wasn't. I wasn't really tech savvy back then, so I didn't do a lot of recording and, and, and producing. I was doing a lot of sitting in, writing, and you know, just jamming with people. Um, yeah, but we, like to go back with the mixtape. The, another thing was is when when um, vinyl was allowed. You know, when you could tape vinyl when you had the hi-fi system. The pause button was the greatest because when you had the 45 singles, you had that little bit of crackle. You'd release pause, get the song, and then pause it again, get the next one. You'd have more running through. So people nowadays don't realize how easy they have it with their playlists. <laughs> well, I just got a little bit older. Back in yeah, my yeah. day, these yeah. kids today. There you go. <laughs> oh, those yeah, things yeah. that my, my dad and my grandpa used to say to me. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, te- you're giving the kids gems. I mean, there's a reason that, that the, the, the thing says cut and paste because we actually used to have to cut uh, a little piece of tape yeah. and paste it back together. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's how we edited and yeah. that's where the term cutting room floor comes from. That is it's correct. And it was bad take. It ended up on the cutting room floor. You never yeah. want to be on the cutting room floor. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, taking us through. Tell me about the woodworking. All right. You, you got into that. Yeah. Your, your brother, I want you to brag on him a little bit. It, 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 you know, he said he got the he got the book smarts. He got the the, the brain smarts that where he's out working. Yeah. He got a job. Yeah. And- my, bro- my brother went in the army. 
so he was in the Royal Corps transport, I do believe. So he was a transport guy. He's driving trucks nowadays too. But yeah, he was, he was, uh, I always looked up to him because he was smart. Um, but I was more hands-on technical and more, uh, what's the word? Practical. Smart. <laughs> Maybe. Practical. I don't know. I, yeah, he was street smart. Trust me. Okay. okay. <laughs> we were both. We both grew up to be street smart. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was. Um, he was. He was more of the intelligent one. Like I mean, if you, I don't know, I don't know how to put it. Yeah, he was just creative. You know, use the other half of your brain. Uh, yeah. he, you know, I was talking to a cat the other day on the on the podcast, and he's a music teacher now. But back in the day, he was a, 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 a one of the earlier hip hop guys. And he was talking about, you know, they're in Oakland, California. They want to cut the the school, the music programs. Whenever they're talking about uh, uh, taking budgets away from schools, one mm-hmm. of the first things they do is they take away your music program or your art program. And and people got to realize you need those kind of people in your life. People need to be entertained. The, the the beauty. What if what if there was no music to play at your backyard party or your wedding events or or whatever. That what if there was no music? What if there were no pictures to see? You, you yeah. Realize those things are very important. And you were woodworking. That's another yeah. another important uh, thing that you learned. Another skill. What yeah. kind of woodworking were you doing? Well, when I first started in the woodworking, I was doing shop fitting, kitchen fitting, and stuff like that. But in the when I came to the U.S. in around about 2000, I actually was doing uh, custom high end furniture for design, architecture designers out of Chicago. So like one-off pieces. So it, it transition, everything I've done in my life is transitioned. You know, it's like, so yeah, I started out doing, you know, rough carpenter, carpentry, uh, trim, you know, carpentry, and then gradually going up to the point where it was inside and not have to freeze my ass off. <laughs> That's a great skill to have. I know living in Chicago, hey, at least Chicago is a great musical town. You must have gotten yeah, yeah. something out of that. But, yeah, I mean, you were doing, you say one-up, like like uh, custom-made furniture? Custom-made furniture, yes, but pe- you, uh, yeah. made to order. And your brother's so, brother-in-law still in that? Uh, no, I, I he's my former brother-in-law, and I think he's, I think he's in Texas now somewhere. I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm not in touch with him anymore, but, <laughs> but yeah, I get yeah. it. I get it. Yes, my my faux pas. I get it. Yes, uh, but yeah. uh, so you brought that skill, and hey, that's yes. thankful that you had a job, uh, and you took it to to Chicago. How's Chicago? Well, How's- it was. I didn't live in Chicago. I actually worked in Wisconsin, but we shipped it down to to the places down in Chicago. They ordered it from us. We shipped it down there. But I, I love Chicago. Chicago's got that same romantic vibe that London has for an American person. If Americans went to London and they'd like fall in love with the place, I don't because I've grown up with it. So it's kind of like take it for granted. But I have the same feeling. How did you get Lester to Wisconsin? What what made that jump? So I, I, yeah, I was married to a military brat. Um, When the Berlin Wall came down in 89, a lot of the American servicemen that were stationed over there they either came back stateside or they moved them um, around the world. And just so happened that my ex-wife's family were moved to the UK. And that's how I met them. Okay. And and so, how, did yeah. back, how did you get to Wisconsin? So uh, I had two kids with her and we were going through a divorce. And she decided to hop a plane with one-way ticket. And I said, ah, nope. <laughs> so I came over and got custody of my kids. You're um, a good boy. Good man. <laughs> that's why. That's what made me come over here. I, uh, I, I, I wasn't going to have anyone else raise my children. Uh, that they're mine. I brought them here. So, You're good man, you're a good man. And how, how are the kids doing these days? Good. Uh, one's twenty one, uh, and and doing good. And the other one's twenty six next month. And he's a music director at a high school up in Berlin, Wisconsin. Look at you passing on the gene. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so you get out of woodworking. Uh, the yep. woodworking's not for you, or or are you still doing any of that? Are you still carpentry? No, oh. it wasn't that it wasn't for me. It was in uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when the when the market crashed. Oh, um, I lost my job, and so I realized, wait, I don't have anything to fall back on. Carpentry's obviously going to dry up now. Nobody's hiring. What am I going to do? And so I was like, well. I kept seeing this commercial on TV um, about, hey, you want to be in the media industry? Come and talk to us. So 
I went to I went to the school to see about what what you know do m- music production and recording technology, and uh, this is an interesting story. So uh, bear with me on this one. So, so they time. I, I got yeah, time. Yeah. I love it. So they uh, so they said to me though, we need your, your high school transcripts. Well, you know from the earlier part of the conversation, there was no high school transcripts. So I said, now what do I do? They said, well, quickest way to do it to get in is to go take your GED, um, and we need the, um, your GED with us by April 7th, it was, and this was like uh, two weeks away, right? Two weeks away, it was my deadline. So I go, and uh, I go and look into getting my GED, and I go in there, and I go, so how long does it take? And they said, oh, it could take months. I was like, what do you mean? They said, well, you have five subjects, and you probably take one subject a week, um, so... Um, yeah, I said, I ain't got, I ain't got weeks. I said, I just need to get in and get my GED. So, um, I walked into the first class and I, ex- and I was the only one there and I explained to the woman what my situation was. And she said, well, I'm going to be here all day. So you can take two or three right now. And then tomorrow I'm going to be in the next town. If you want to come over there, I'll let you take the other ones. So that's why I did. I took my GED in two days, passed it. And took my transcripts down, got into the um, music production school. Um, did that, got my associate's degree in recording technology, um, got hired straight out of school by the school to be a teacher, a teacher's aide. Um, and then two, mo- uh, two weeks after being hired by the school, I got offered a position at a translation company um, in their AV department recording voiceovers and overdubs and stuff in foreign languages for corporate videos and um, other projects and stuff like that. And so that's been my regular job, work my way up to the department manager over the last eight, nine, be nine years this year. There's that work ethic that your dad instilled in you. If you want it, you go for it. You are a yeah. go-getter. They told you weeks. They told you months. No, 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 no. Yeah. You took it in days. I yeah. love it. Yeah. That's fantastic, John KT. Yeah. You know, that says a lot about you, that if you want it, you get it. And you said, you were doing voiceovers. I, I've been listening to your voice in my headphones here, and it's very soothing, man. I could see how <laughs> Thanks, man. But yeah. what kind of voiceovers? Was it commercials or, or cartoons or, or what? It, well, we do. Um, I'm really not a voiceover artist. It's only been recently that I've started picking that up. But I record a lot of um, foreign language voiceovers. So I have a lot of people come in, native speakers from other languages like Korean, Arabic, um, all, all Chinese, Japanese, all, all different languages. Um, and what we do is we take corporate um, training videos, uh, e-learning projects and presentations, and we, we overdub them. So they've already released them. So, you know, like big companies, I can't really name them, but, um, it, it, you know, they, we, we would uh, overdub them in these different languages and remix them and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah. That's, that's what I do today, too. That's my day job. Yeah. No, you have a really melodic voice and a, an accent that cannot be picked out. You, you, it, it's, it's not the, uh, what is it, the middle American that it was made up by uh, American broadcasters, but it has a hint of European in it. So yes. it's, it's very exotic, but very soothing. And yeah, I, I appreciate a good voice. And I'm sure that, that people listening to the, the different videos and, and maybe uh, uh, work corporate things that you're doing are listening to your voice and don't even know it's yeah. gotta be it's gotta be a hoot i used to do about 50 spots a week you know doing commercials across the united states and it was the same donut that they gave me yeah and, and i would just fill them in with whatever car company or painting company or whatever corporation corporation it was and i had the chance to drive from florida to San Diego listening to the radio and I would hear my commercial spots in different sp- parts of the country. I'm sure that's yeah. a, a hoot. I mean, yeah, do, you, do you ever get people uh, feedback from, from the videos? Like, Oh, that was a great job or, or, you know, I've actually, I've actually had a lot of, I, I, I'm actually not that confident in my voice. Um, that's why I don't do a lot of vocals. I've started to, um, it's because of people's feedback, um, saying that there's something unique about it, but, you see, I hear it differently than everybody else because I have the internal acoustics, so it's me. Uh, when I hear me back, I hear what everybody else is hearing, and I go, oh, 
that's me, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> so it's the science of it is tough because he, as a music producer and an engineer too, it's hard to mix your own voice because you hear it different. So it's Absolutely. it's it's tough. So, so. I, I listen back to these podcasts and I hear my voice as well, mm -hmm. and I go, "Oh, okay, that's what people have been telling me all these yes, years." Yes. Is that oh. It has that bass, but then there's still enough. It's very acoustically pleasing, so I'm yeah. very happy about that. Yeah. I've been doing this job since '86, so yay! I don't have to give up on it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, all right, you got into the the music producing after yeah. 2008. 2008. Hey, I lost my job at woodworking. Then what? Where do you go? I, yeah. you, you went to the school. What school was it? Uh, Madison Media Institute, and it's no longer it, it, it's gone, it's gone under now. But um, uh, yeah, I learned I learned from some pretty big industry people in there, um, and uh, I'm still friends with them today. Um, yeah, I don't, you can shout them out. Uh, Give credit yeah, where credit yeah. is due. Yeah, well, Martin Atkins um, yeah. is is one of my mentors. He was the drummer with uh, Public Image Limited. Um, uh, I think he did Nine Inch Nails. I think he um, Pig Face Ministry. Uh, he's he's one I've always looked up to. Uh, Kevin Garneri uh, was one of my favorite teachers, and we liked listening to that. He's now the head of Millican University's recording program, but he was um, he went. I think he worked at Westlake Studios. Worked with Randy Jackson, Mariah Carey's vocal coach. Um, that's this a uh, boys to men and stuff like that. Now I say. I'm going to say this just to be, just clear. To be clear. They work with them. I didn't. I don't. I don't piggyback off of people's um, resumes. So I know these people, people, and I was instructed by them. I'm not saying that I'm the shit because I know them. That's not how it is. You know what I mean? A lot of people. A lot of people name drop, but I want to just say that it's legitimate people that were training me. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're going to learn, learn from the best, and it's exactly like some really good teachers. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I I had a chance to to brush with a lot of greatness down in in the mm -hmm. in Miami when I was working on terrestrial radio down there. So I appreciate when when people give credit to the people that brought them up. And yeah, I went to Connecticut schools of broadcasting, and it's still in and and they had voice actors and some you know moder moderately famous people that went through and and taught us various uh, subjects. So I appreciate yeah. that one. Once you get to a certain status, I, you need to become teachers. So once yes. we become what, where you are, John KT, you need to start teaching the next generation. Exactly. And it sounds like you did that with at least your your one of your children that yeah. is in it. You know, you gave them that gene. So yeah. all right, so you yeah. got into the the music production. I mean, where did it go? I mean, where did it start? Uh, and and then what did you produce? And were you playing drums or or was it all electronic? No, so so when I was when I was at Madison Media, I didn't let anybody know that I was a musician. I just went there to learn the technical side of recording, how to capture in the in the live room, how where mic placement, you know, all that kind of stuff, processing and all that kind of stuff. Um, I and Pro Tools. I got certified in Pro Tools. Um, so it was not. It wasn't like I went in there going, "Hey, you know, I'm a keyboard player. Let me write a song, whatever." That that didn't happen. It wasn't until it wasn't until 2016. I actually produced a couple of local bands while I was in um, uh, Madison Media. Uh, Benson Clemmy was one. Um, Bathtub Mothers was another. Um, a couple of reggae artists, uh, local artists, and so. I'd got my feet wet in the production side of things. Um, and then in 2016, I decided that work, I wanted to go to the next level. It was almost like, okay, so you got your GED, now you got your associate's degree, and now everybody's coming out of the woodwork with a bachelor's degree. So now the bachelor's degree became the new high school diploma, so I needed to do something to get to the next level. So I decided to go to full sale. Uh, university and get my bachelor's degree in uh, music production. That's when I started to to do the production side of it more and get out there and put my stuff online and started out with SoundCloud, started getting people interested, people coming to me for beats and producing them and getting a pretty good following on social media and then um, full sale would show you the how to mix master and then they'd show you the business side of it and the marketing side of it as well so everything put together you know it was it was it went well so after that started to bring people in start to produce them and 
realized, wait a minute, I need to learn more than this. I need to learn the business side of it, like copyrights, publishing, all that kind of stuff. So in 2016, 2013, sorry, I went to full sail for my bachelor's. Graduated in May of 2016. September of 2016, I decided I'm getting my master's degree. So I went back, got my master's in entertainment business, and that taught me how to manage projects, how to um, do contracts, law, copyrights, publishing, all that kind of stuff. stuff. So that's and so I set up my production company, um, LLC. Then I started my publishing company, and then um, yeah, now I'm here. Distribution. <laughs> Like yeah. I said, you go all the way. If you want it, you, you, you go all the way. And, and you had an interest in music. And you <laughs> three years at Full Sail, you had to have learned a lot. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm putting you out there. I'm putting you out there for voice acting. Anybody that needs a voice actor, talk oh, yeah, to absolutely. Anybody that needs a, a voiceover. But a producer, that is something that bands need. That is something that musicians need. Uh, uh, an ear, a discerning ear. And someone who's mostly impartial yes you can develop a relationship with yes. your various musicians and artists and such but you need to have somebody that could say yeah you need to tweak this or don't put it that way somebody who could help you to develop the music to put it in the right order so it sounds more melodic and that's a skill that you have yeah and what it is is um one thing I've noticed as well, especially with the with the new craze with the internet and stuff like that, it's so accessible now for people to say, "I'm a songwriter. I've written this song. Um, it's taken me ten minutes to write this or whatever, and here it is." And it's like, "Well, wait a minute. You could have taken another ten minutes and or had somebody else listen to it before you put it out there, because now what you've done is you've given them the first impression." And if you didn't tune the guitar quite right or you didn't sing in key quite right, the message was lost. You may have had a good song, but the message is lost. So it's all in the presentations. And so that's what I've been doing over the last couple of years is kind of guiding people in groups that get a little bit of anxiety of like, hey, I want to get this out there because I'm so excited about it. And it's like, well, you'll have bigger impact if you just slow down and do it properly and then give them the finished product. One of the greatest jobs I had in terrestrial radio was a classic rock station. And one of the things that I enjoyed, especially when I was doing the, the nighttime, when I had more free range and, and, and the ability to do things, was to find demos of greats like Bob Dylan and the Beatles. And you find these songs that, they, that were really rough. And then you realize what it took to polish that roughness to make a diamond of a song. Yes. You know, you, that's where it started. It doesn't sound that much like the finished product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to take your time. You've heard of uh, SoundCloud rappers, and, and, you know, yes, you can record your voice and you can put it straight out there. Yes. But take the time to put it through the Pro Tools, the Cool Edit, the Adobe Audition, and, and get it done right and, and give it yeah. to. Give it to an editor. That's what you are. The exactly. Editor. And you said yeah. you, you put a couple of bands out there. How how did they do when you put them out there? Uh, what kind of uh, events? Well, were they, they were they were more local scene. scene. So um, yeah, they they kind of come and go. Um, I, I I I didn't man. I'm not a manager and I'm not a promoter. But I you know I I would I would I've got credits on albums and stuff like that. But. Yeah, I, I don't put them out there as like, I don't publish them. I, the publishing company, I started out myself because I felt that if, if you, okay, if I say to you, come and sign with my record label and you come and sign on my record label, but you haven't asked me any questions, then you don't know what I'm going to do for you, right? And you don't know if I can do it for you. So I'm the type of person that I'm going to do it first. I'm going to fail first so you don't have to, you know. So that's, that's kind of why I did the publishing. So now what I do is I, I try to get people that have got themselves distribution and they've got themselves up there. Don't, don't, give, don't give a percentage of something you own 100% of away to somebody else just because you want to get rich and famous. You might get famous, but you ain't getting rich. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah like, you know, I've, I've heard uh, of the bigger record companies. Yes, they can make them a million dollars, but you're only going to see 100,000 of that. If that's when yeah. You know, nowadays you can sell a hundred thousand and keep a hundred thousand. 
So, you know, be, as an independent, the, the, yeah. the, you're still going to keep the same amount of money, but have 100 percent of the of the royalties and 100 percent of the uh, of the effort will be yes. all yeah. yours. And and that's, you know, I, th I think the big record companies are running scared. I mean, you have you had a deal with a big record company and then nothing. You never never nope. been with them. Never, never tried to pursue approached. Never tried to pursue one. Um, okay. I I, uh, I never had any interest in putting my music out. No. I always uh, I always wanted to help other people get theirs out, and it wasn't. I mean, I have a I have a, I have a, a, a closet full of demos and stuff, and I have hard drives full of ideas that you know you may hear a song from me tomorrow that actually was started. 20 years ago you know that's how that's how my music transpires you know you go back and you rework it that's what i'm saying is you don't put something out the minute that you write it you've got to yeah. hone in on it you know and bounce the ideas around but no i've never tried to pursue being signed i always i, I always knew that i was going to be a working man and in, in another avenue and this was going to be my side hustle so you know and don't use i'm not using the word as hustle as i'm going to hustle you i'm just saying that you know this is me i you know if i can i don't have to count on producing the band to pay my bills you know what you mean well so. yeah jake john kt i had no the thought that you were going to hustle people but yes you're a hustler you can you have different avenues that you explore you, you have this this love for music now you say you have a bunch of demos all demos of your stuff or, or is it demos yes. of people yeah. you may have produced over the years my stuff your just, stuff yeah i just i've just never I, I i was never confident enough in putting stuff out so that's why you'll see a lot of my music um is me i'm a uh, producing arranging and, and mixing my own music and i'll bring in somebody to write over the top like top line or sing on it there are i think i've got three songs on soundcloud uh, not soundcloud spotify that it's got my voice on it, and that's about it. Well, all that stuff that's out there on Bandcamp, that's just a taste of what you have, John KT. Yeah, absolutely. It's so beautiful, man. I mean, you say reggae vibe that, that came to you from an early age. You got to hear reggae in the streets of, of Leicester, and, and you took that with you, and it's been with you your whole life. Yeah. Uh, you know, what other, what other flavors? I mean, you say you, that people brought Nat King Cole, you know, you yeah. had Graham grandpa that brought that what what has inspired you man what, so you what, can, yeah. what's the music yeah. that puts this it puts this sound down so my sound is a, an eclectic sound i i, I want to say it's unique to just me um yeah. there are elements of okay so reggae has a very definitive structure um and this is in, in music theory terms you know like the one drop you know they 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 under and the, you know the the skank and the bang or whatever the, there's an art to that you've got to get it in the right place otherwise it just sounds like you're trying to do ska music slow um so so it's and there's different kinds too and a lot of people don't know that reggae hasn't been around uh, all that long. I think it transpired in the in the sixties. Um, Jamaican music was um, they were getting radio waves from Miami, and they were listening to a lot of R and B and soul music, and they were taking it into the church, making gospel music, but they didn't know how to play soul and gospel, so they gave it the the ska music, the the quick beat, and then it was by accident that somebody slowed down a ska song, and that's where reggae came from. Um, they put it on the 45 instead of 33 or something like that, and it, it gave them that vibe, and that's how it came. And so it's only been around 50 years or so. And um, Bob Marley started out in a ska band with the Whalers, and then it transpired to reggae. Um, so that's that background of listening to the different styles of that and putting it together. Then you've got a little bit of British hip hop in there, because um, if you notice, my beats are. On the uh, the one, two, three, and four, whereas reggae beats are on the two and the four, they they drop the one and the three. So there's a the, the, so I I've been able to use that to to formulate this unique sound. But if you listen to my chord structures, they come from jazz and gospel. So you've got jazz, gospel, reggae, and, and R and B and and hip hop all fused together. And I think that that's what. Um, um, makes it pleasurable to listen to um, because it's happy and upbeat and it's got that still that reggae little strut to it you know yeah if you're having a chill party throw john kt in the background 
it, you know, it's good music to 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 talk to your friends over, have a couple drinks, oh, and just you know, chill in the backyard while you're cooking up some good food. I, I'm listening to it, and I just I feel like I'm back in the islands, man. And Key Largo, <laughs> you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's the Florida Keys. It's just it's just South Florida. There's a lot of island feel there, and you're talking about the Marleys. I used to meet up with them at Guitar Center in uh, yes. in Kendall, Miami. His kids are his kids are all over the place, but there's a lot of his kids that are there in yeah, South Florida. Are, yeah, <laughs> and they and they've they've made homes there. I think yeah. Ziggy and Rowan live in Miami, and I think um, Inner Circle has their base there too. Uh, everybody remember them from Bad Boys, Bad Boys. What you gonna do? You know. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a big reggae presence down there because that's where they've all taken up. Well, generally what, what is the, the band, uh, in a, a reggae band? What, what kind of instruments do they need? And what is a slap seven? I've heard that for the, my whole life. Uh, reggae is a slap seven, kind of like the police, uh, sting and the police had that slap seven. I'm not even sure what that is. Maybe you can explain it. Or I if think that I, I, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm thinking correctly here, I think the slap seven means it leaves you hanging at the end um so they stop it so you know they did if you i always looked at reggae music as it was throwing you off a cliff and pulling you back before you got off the end so that's how you get that swing in there right that, that uh whatever but the bass the bass line this is the thing that people uh, if you ever listen to a reggae song the bass line is playing the melody line and that's what's driving you all the way through the, if you notice the guitar is just tick, 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 Chick and the pianos, ding, ding, and then they, you got the bubble organ to uh, get the, you know, and, and it's the bass line that's doing, doom, 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 doom. so it's like that's what you need. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, bass is definitely the lifeblood of reggae. Yeah, you know, so the difference, all right, the difference between a ska band and a reggae band is the speed. Yeah, if you listen, if you take a, if you take a reggae um, tune um, and speed it up. To twice its speed, uh, you'll probably have a scar track on your hands. <laughs> it's well, just ska bands too. I have no yeah. no problem with them. I know growing up in the eighties, I I'd get to see like uh, Fishbone on the Fort Lauderdale Strip, and and uh, you know the, oh, it was just listening to to a good ska band. I I, I grew yeah. up. It, it's nice. And then the reggae as I'm I'm growing up in the Florida Keys. Yeah, definitely have a feel. And it was, it was good though to see the punk, the punk and the scar kind of got in into each other too. They melded into each other, so I like that transition too. You got the sublime and you know that kind of stuff. You know, it was like it was yeah, it was good stuff. Well, cool man. I mean, well, what's on the horizon? I, you know, I, okay. I guess we could talk about uh, where, where you're at in Wisconsin with your with, with the coronavirus. How's that affecting you creatively? Are you able to still go out to to work, or do you have your your studio set up at the house? I'm sitting in my studio right now. Um, I actually work from home right now. Uh, the company sent everybody home to work from home, but because we're working digitally anyway, it's it's worked out pretty nice. I think the bad part of, for me is the fact that my routine's kind of messed up because I used to get up in the morning and go to work and then come home. So that wind up and that wind down is gone. It's kind of wake up in the morning, come downstairs into the studio go back upstairs and you still, you know, you feel like if you come downstairs, you're back at work again. Well, at least 20% of the tech companies are going to remain working from home. Yes. Uh, they figured it out. They, they, they've learned that they don't have to go into work. They can work exactly. from in front of their computers at home and, and, you know, get their laundry done, take care yep. of their kids, wash some dishes and do the job. So yep. it's nice to work from home, man. It's nice <laughs> to get up and, and get out and, I could do voiceovers right here using exactly. this right in front of me, yeah, and you can do the same right thing. Yeah, yeah, right, right there. And the people that that are listening to the audio version of this, I'm putting it out on video on YouTube as well. So, awesome. if you, you want to see John KT's pretty face as we're chit chatting, and, and I guess <laughs> we're, we're starting to wind this down a little bit. I mean, now's the time where you you give uh, shout outs for the the people that you're working with and and any bands that you you might be producing right now or what's coming up for John KD Productions. Yeah, I've been working with uh Colby Gray, my partner, uh Randall Griffith. We we we've been knocking out songs um constantly. Um I met Randall probably 2 years ago on on uh, a Facebook group and we've been making music together ever since and it's just a beautiful friendship. Um, so we're working on some projects there. We're, um, I'm working with Wicked Tree um, out of um, Delaware. Um, they asked me to um, master their tracks, so I've been working with them. 
um, the great great band. Um, they it's just bass, guitars, drums, and vocals, and they are just so tight as a band. I mean, they, I mean, when I'm when I'm mastering their stuff, it's like it's hard to not just keep it on repeat all day, you know. But you have to give yourself a break. But you know, it's like that's that's how tight they are. You're like, man, how to do that? And the the singer. Uh, if you get a chance, check it out. Wicked Tree. Um, they're on Facebook. They, the singer's voice. I mean, he'll blow your ass out of the water, man. I tell you, he's just amazing. Um, and so, yeah, I've been working with uh, another guy, Todd Affo. I've been producing his music. Um, I've done a couple of other names. I, I do a lot of work for hire, so I don't take. I, I just produced an album for um, Aaron Aaron Baker. Um, okay. And this was a pretty interesting uh, collaboration situation. Um, she posted up a post on Facebook saying that she was about ready to just throw in the towel on her music because she'd paid for a review of this song, and it was probably one of the best songs she'd written, and they gave her a bad review. And so I said, well, send it to me. Let me listen to it and see what's going on there. And so we started up a communication, and she said, I have a whole album I'm trying to get out. And I said, well, I can help you with that. And so we, you know, worked it out. So, I, yeah, she sent me the whole, all of her stems and everything. I added some stuff and took some stuff away and produced the album and got that out. So that one's just been done. But during that time, I had had a song come out I'd been working on that uh, was touching on suicide and um, mental health at the time. And so I, was, I said to her, I said, hey, do you, wanna, do you fancy jumping on this? And so she said, absolutely. So we did that collaboration. It's called Throw Me a Line. And um, yeah, it's, it's now up for a uh, um, UK Songwriting Award, 2020 award. So, yep. Um, or you have as a musician and as a, as a creator, is you can inspire people. I mean, yep, you're talking, yep. about, this is, that's a deep subject to go into, to tackle. Yeah. I mean, you said you were writing music from even as, as a young lad in, in, back in the church days. Yeah writing music and, and thinking about songs. How many of those things are, are got produced finally uh, yeah, as you got out of the, the woodworking biz? And, and more recently, did any of that get produced? Yeah, uh, one, of my, one, one of my biggest, I want to say hits, but one of my biggest songs, ones that did the best, was um, the one called Better Man. Um, that started out as um, I was just sitting in my room one day and I was getting these chords and I just started playing it and I could always remember it. I never recorded it, and um, I used to play it in church. From and my uncle used to. Well, he's not my real uncle, but we used to call him my uncle. But uh, he used to stand up and he used to sing, and he'd say, "Hey, son, play that, play that tune." And so I'd just ream it off. And so all my life, that tune just stuck. With me. Um, and then back in 2017, I went back home to visit, and he was dying of cancer. So I came back, and I was like, I said to my wife, "Now's the time for me to release it so that he can hear it." And so I, I, I put it down, and she's like, how do you remember it after all these years? Well, I didn't remember it. I just played it. You know what I mean? It's different. It, your, your fingers do the, the talking, not your brain. You have to shut off and just let it go. And it turned out pretty well. So then I uh, came up with a concept for it, and I reached out to a guy that I knew I could, that could sing. He was a friend of my son's at the time. Went to school together. Um, and so I asked him, I said, do you, do you fancy jumping on this? And the, so we did a collaboration, and... It's the, the song Better Man. And what happened was is, uh, he got to hear. He was not coherent. He wasn't speaking or, or responding. But he got to hear it before he passed away. And they played it at his funeral. So that was my biggest uh, like accolade from that, really. But, oh, yeah. for sure. I'm sure yeah. you sent him off with a, with a smile and a, and oh, a good feeling. Oh, that, yeah. that, man, that had to make your heart sing. Oh, it still does, man. It gives you goosebumps to talk about it a little bit. Doesn't it? <laughs> That chills yeah. up my spine. I don't even know the man. Yeah. You're keeping yeah. his memory alive. I love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's beautiful. And and uh, yeah, just on on side note, say no to cancer. I hate cancer. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and, and suicide. That's another one. I'm big. I'm big on too. I'm on suicide prevention, and that's a new project that I'm on right now. I'm working with um, the Jacob Swag Foundation. They've released their, and well, they'll be releasing an app in the upcoming month. It got put on hold because of the. Um, 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 COVID, but uh, yeah, they, it's called um, Got You Back, and it's going to be coming out on both Apple and Android, and basically it's an app that will 
um, you can put on your phone, and if you're not feeling good about yourself or whatever, you, it will ask you questions. And if, if it's like, if, if you are at that point, you can push the button, it will dial the, the hotline for you. For you. Uh, you'll get a counselor. The other ones is if you're not feeling too bad about that, but you need something, it'll take you to the next page, which is like exercises, breathing exercises and stuff like that. And that's where I come in because that's my voice. Um, my voice is on there saying, you know, count to 10, count back from 10, sit in a quiet corner, that kind of stuff. So that's my project. That's a project I'm on right now too. That's John KT giving back, man. And anybody contemplating suicide, just call somebody, reach out. <laughs> Reach out. Inbox me. Inbox me. Yeah. That's what, I, that's what I'm talking about. And yep. don't, don't even just, just call. Call me. I, I, I have my phone number everywhere. And yep. Not just the ladies' bathroom. <laughs> 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 I put mine high up because I don't like short girls. <laughs> so funny, man. I love it. All right, John and KT. I, I think I've taken some of your time. We've learned a lot about you. And we, we figured out who you are up to now. Uh, let the people know how to get a hold of you, how to, how, the, how to get a hold of you, and, and what kind of projects you're you're up for. KTProductions.net. You can find me on all social media platforms. Uh, you could go to John KT KT Productions on Facebook, um, and right there on the first page of my uh, Facebook page, I have a link to all of my social links um, on Flow Flow Group. Um, you just one click, you'll be able to get a hold of me. Um, yeah. I, I'll do mixing, mastering. I'll even do composition. I'll, if you've got lyrics and you need you need some music and you want me to produce a track, contact me. All, <laughs> all my information is on my website and my services are on there too. All right, John KT. Well, as I, I I usually finish these off with last words for the people. Uh, this could be whatever your, your words to live by, something that that you learned a long time ago, or or something that you keep in your head, or whatever pops into your head at this particular moment in time. John KT, KT Productions, last words for the people. Well, one of the things I would say to people is, this is your life. This is your journey. Don't let nobody stop you. Well, there you have it, party people. John KT of KT Productions. That man's got knowledge. You know, he had a love for music from an early age, got that from his mama and his grandpa, and then he got business sense from his uh, dad and his brother and even his brother-in-law. So, yeah, I mean, the man's had a story. He's been around, uh, you know, parts, big parts of the globe, started in, in a little small town in England, get moved to a bigger town, and now he's in Wisconsin working for you. I mean, with this internet, he could do it all over the world. The man makes beats, and yeah, I'm putting him out there. He, he needs to uh, also work that voice, too, that sweet, sweet voice. You know, you, you can't pick out that accent. It's got a little bit of English in there, a little bit of American in there, a little bit of, uh, it's just, it's uh, it's very exotic. I, I like his voice, and, and I was very happy to listen to his voice for the last hour or so. So, yes, thank you so much, John KT of KT Productions, for being on the What Makes You Famous program. If you'd like to tell your story, Yes, this time I'm turning my attention to you. Yes, you. If you'd like to tell your story, I encourage you to give me a call at 501-470-6386 or email info at RadioWhat.com. That's it for me. It's Keys Dan, RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag What Makes You Famous. Follow on Facebook at what makes you famous follow on instagram at what makes you famous follow on twitter at makes famous and follow on youtube at keys dan leave what makes you famous podcast a review and subscribe listen to what makes you famous podcast on podbean itunes youtube stitcher google podcast and spotify and almost anywhere you find podcasts tell your story on my podcast, What Makes You Famous. Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keysdan. Email info at radiowhat.com. What Makes You Famous podcast is a production of Keys Dan Enterprises Incorporated at keysdan.com. Thank you for listening. 
Radio What? The music you want with some great, great quotes. Speech is conveniently located midway between thought and action, where it often substitutes for both. John Andrew Holmes. The music you want. RadioWhat.com. Tweet, tweet, yo. Follow Radio What on Twitter at RadioWhatTwit. Tweet, tweet, yo.